Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Akash Tries Finance, a weekly podcast series where I try to take books on personal finance, investment, and uh, go through them chapter by chapter so that I can understand them and hopefully provide something of value to you. This series is on the psychology of money, and we are currently on chapter number six, Tales You Win. You can be wrong half the time and still make a fortune. Quick disclaimer before we begin, it is Diwali here in India, so um, there's going to be a lot of cracker sounds in the background any part of the day. I've tried recording this uh, at other parts of the day, but uh, cracker sounds persist. So I'll try to limit them as much as possible, but uh, just uh, hopefully you can concentrate on my voice and not the crackers. Um, This chapter is all about those unexpected events that drive a lot of uh, results and those results can be positive as well as negative. Um, and Housel has very clearly uh, shown through several examples, both in art, in films and animation, and in 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 business and finance, how a small group of people are responsible for a large group, a large part of the outcome. And uh, this is this is emphasized in the quote that opens up the chapter, which is by Brad Pitt when he was accepting. Screen Actors Guild Award. She says, I've been banging away at this thing for 30 years. I think the simple math is some projects work and some don't. There's no reason to belabor either one. Just get on to the next. And the first story is uh, from an art collector named, and I might be pronouncing this name incorrectly, Heinz Bergerin, who fled Nazi Germany in 1936 and went on to become an art collector. And when he was asked, um, how, how could anyone have foreseen and acquired pieces of art that could later be worth a fortune? He said, you could, you could say skill, you could also say luck. And when an investment firm uh, did some research into what the underlying reason for this success was, he said, it said the great investors bought vast quantities of art. A subset of the collections turned out to be great investments and they were held for a sufficiently long period of time to allow the portfolio return to converge upon the return of the best elements. Bowser compares this to the operations of an index fund. And an index fund, very simply, is a fund that tracks an index. An index is something that is used to represent the rest of the market. So in India, an index would be the Nifty 50, which has the 50 biggest companies in India or the BSC Sensex, which has the 30 largest companies in India. They are just meant to uh, track the rest of the market. So if the Nifty does well, uh, we can say that the rest of the market did well. It's not necessarily the case, but it does drive a large part of the market's outcome. So he says the great art dealers operated like index funds. They bought everything they could and they bought it all in portfolios, not individual pieces, uh, and not as individual pieces. And then they sat and waited for a few winners to emerge. That's all that happens. 99% of the works like, like this particular art collector, Heinz Berguin, acquired in his life turned out to be of little value. They turned out to be dirt species. But it doesn't really matter if um, 1% turns out to be works of Picasso or someone, some great art, uh, uh, some great artist. 
a lot of things in business and investing work this way, long tails, meaning just imagine a chart which has sort of spikes up and then has a long sort of tail that, that runs in, 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 an, in either direction, right? The farthest ends of the distribution of outcomes, basically, have tremendous influence in finance, where a small number of events can count for the majority of outcomes. Another interesting story is the story of Walt Disney. Steamboat Willie was one of his uh, Walt Disney's earlier production that put them on the map. But, but by the mid-1930s, Disney had produced more than 400 cartoons, and none of them were of any value. In fact, most of them involved such high production costs that it pushed them, pushed the company to uh, bankruptcy. And it changed with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The $8 million it earned in the first six months of 1938 was an order of magnitude higher than anything that the company earned previously. It transformed Disney Studios. And anything that is huge, profitable, famous, or influential is the result of a tail event, an outlying one in a thousand or million event. And most of our attention goes to things that are huge, profitable, famous, or influential. Anything that you see, um, Right now, whether it's a company that you admire, a book that you've read, or a sports man or woman that you admire, it is all a result of several people who have tried their hand at doing that, becoming that, achieving that, and one that makes it. And where, uh, where our attention is always transfixed at that one person. Think of any sport you like, any athlete in that particular sport. He or she is there because of their dedication, but it's also because that several other people did not make it. And that one person has, has outsized returns in order uh, uh, of him or her achieving that particular position. And he says some tail-driven industries are obvious. Take venture capital. If a VC makes 50 investments, they likely expect half of them to fail, 10 to do pretty well, or one or two to be bonanzas that drive 100% of a firm's returns. This analysis was actually done by an investment firm called Correlation Ventures. Out of 21,000 venture financings from 2004 to 2014, 65% lost money. That is 13,650. 2.5% of investments made a 10x to 20x return. So that's 525. Seems like a lot, but that's out of 21,000. 1% made more than a 20x return. That's 210. Half a percent, about 100 companies, 105 to be precise, earned more than 50x of their investment. That's where the majority of the industry's returns come from. If you want safer, predictable, and more stable returns, you probably will not take the venture capital route. You probably take the route of, of a public company. But holds true. Even if you invest in public companies through us, something as safe as an index fund, the key of tail events is exactly the same as uh, in high-risk investing like VC funding, VC investments, as well as index investment. Now, this is true in the case of an, another index called the Russell 3000 index, which tracks 3000 biggest companies in the US. Now, Russell says most public companies are duds. A few of them do well and a handful of them become extraordinary winners that account for a majority of the stock market returns. 
JP Morgan Asset Management once published the returns or the distribution of returns for the Russell 3000 Index, a broad collection of public companies since the 1980s. So this was uh, for about a 40 year period, right? So 3000 companies, 40% of all Russell 3000 com uh, stock components, meaning companies within the index, lost at least 70% of their value and have never recovered over this period. That's about 1,200 public companies. Effectively, all of the index's overall returns came from 7% or just 210 out of 3,000 companies. That's the last thing you'd expect from venture capital. That's the, sorry, that's the kind of thing you'd expect from venture capital, but not necessarily uh, something you would expect from a, a diversified index investing in public companies. This thumping of most public companies spares no industry. And the, the sort of reshuffle was the most for technology and telecom, but even sort of these defensive companies that people label like utilities, whether it's electrical utilities, power utilities, water supply, uh, coal, um, steel, etc. People sort of perceive them, even in India, you, we have several public companies that are employed in several utilities. We all perceive them as safe. In fact, there's that colloquial sort of saying that, um, if a person has a public job, it's very, very safe, whether it's in a bank, in, a, in the coal industry, in the steel industry, anything else. But the interesting thing here, is, as Housel notes, is that, is that you, have to, you have achieved a certain level of success to become a public company and a member of the Russell 3000. These are established companies. Even still, most have lifespans measured in years, just a few years, not generations, right? And he gives another example of Carl, Carol, sorry, a former member of the Russell 3000 Index, which was a film production house, which produced movies like the Rambo, the Rambo series, Terminator, Basic Instinct, and Total Recall. And it sort of flew up in the 1990s when these movies were spectacular, but because again of budgetary problems, it went, it went significantly down. And just 4% of the companies in the index were effectively failures. Now, 4% would be about 120 companies. 7% of components that performed extremely well were more than enough to offset the dust. So think about that for a second. 120 failures, 210 successes. The success of the 210 offset not just the failures of 120, that seems obvious, but they offset the 70% loss in about 1,200 companies out of just 3,000 companies. So that's how clearly, clearly uh, tail events drive a lot of the success. And he's also given a similar example for the S&P 500, which, which tracks the 500 most um, uh, largest companies in, in the US, including Apple, Tesla, Google, etc. But this is true no matter what. And in order to understand this, he gives um, he gives a sort of he shifts gear from finance to military strategy, and he quotes Napoleon by saying, "The man who can do the average thing when all those around him are going crazy is the man who is a military genius." That's the same uh, theory or principle that applies in investing. Most financial advice is about today. What should you do right now, and what stocks should you lo look like good buys today? But most of the time, today is not important. Over the course of your lifetime as an investor, the decisions that 
that you make today or tomorrow or next week will matter, will not matter nearly as much as what you do during the small number of days, likely 1% of time or less, when everyone around you is going crazy. Now, it's easy to sort of use this um, uh, explanation to, to justify something like a text that, uh, or a quote that Warren Buffett says, when is, uh, which, which reads, if I'm not wrong, um, be greedy when others are faithful, right? But he, that's not necessarily exactly sort of related here, because Sothausen is saying is that 1% of days will, will drive a lot of the return in, in, in your portfolio, in your life, in your success. And that is usually going to happen when other people around you are going absolutely crazy. Investing during leadership during any particular time is going to be scary. So perhaps let's say you invest $1 in the stock market during the recession when the economy is not in a recession. Sell everything when it is in a recession and save your monthly dollar in cash and invest everything back into stock. So he, he, he's, he's ran this sort of experimentation where you invest, where there are three investors, a person just consistently invests regardless of where the market is. A person waits for some time when the market sort of returns from a bear, bearish sort of outlook to a bullish outlook. And a person who sort of, you know, just sits in between and keeps cash and sort of waits for about six months until the flip happens. So the first person, and in this case, the person's name is Sue, who sort of invested $1 um, for about 20 odd years ends up with about $435,000, $435,551 to be exact. Jim, who, who invests, uh, who's, who's, who's sort of scared and sits on cash until the market flips very quickly, has $257,386. Tom, who sort of waits for a six month period before the flip happens, has $234,476. So Sue is clearly the out-proportioned out, out winner. Right, there were 140, one, 1,428 months in that 30-year uh, period. Sorry, between 1900 and uh, 2019, just over 300 of them were during a recession. So, by keeping her cool during just 22% of time, the economy was down or near a recession. Sue ends up with almost three quarters more than Jim or Tom, and the sort of Tweetable advice is that your success as an investor will be determined by how you respond to punctuated moments of terror, not the years you spend on cruise control. The point being, tails or failings drive every single thing. That's true no matter, again, wherever you look. Right? If you're a good stock picker, you'll be right half the time. If you're a good business leader, maybe half your product or strategy ideas will work. If you're a good investor, most years will just be okay and plenty will be bad. If you're a good worker, you'll find the right company in the right field after several attempts in trial. And that's if you're good. Peter Lynch once said, if you're terrific in business, you're right six times out of ten. There are fields when you have to, where you have to be perfect in everything. Like, like where other people are putting their responsibility on you. And that's more often than not for safety. Uh, for instance, someone working in the race pits, right? Um, 
just to think about that when a car pulls in to get get the tires changed that person has to be right 100 if he isn't that's going to result in a couple of minutes of delay and and, and probably at the loss of the race uh, a pilot has to be right all the time but some someone like a businessman uh for instance jeff bezos at amazon was wrong for up, about several things he was wrong about the fire phone he was wrong about uh so many different things i think they entered a couple of different markets in india as well which didn't really take off but the success of a few things like prime like aws cloud storage platform it works really really well right so during during a, a, a meeting with shareholders Jeff Bezos interesting said, interestingly said, and this is quoted in the book, if you think the fire phone was a big failure, we're working on much bigger failures right now. I'm not kidding. Some of them are going to make the fire phone look like a tiny little flip. And that's the courage you need to have in order to gain outsized returns. It's, it's, it's to chase tails, but not necessarily chase tails. It's just to go about your financial journey, business journey, career journey, educational journey, being as calm as possible and not going crazy and, and knowing that if I can just consistently work harder and harder and try different things within a niche, um, it's going to result in the creation of more events and some of them can turn out to be case. And if that's the case, well in a good and and that's again true in everything there are several more examples in this particular book um and sorry this particular chapter there's an example of chris rock there's an example of sitcoms there's an example of several things but it does come down to the simplest and most obvious principles right it's about it's about understanding a the full story tales are just the main things that we see AWS and Prime is the main things you see when we think of Amazon. And, and of course, that's, that's true for several different companies. Google, when you think of Google, we think of the search engine. We don't think of, or we don't immediately think of how the smart glasses didn't sort of kick on. When, and, and that's true when you pay attention to a person. When you pay special attention in a role model success, we overlook that their gains came from a small percent of their actions. That makes our own failures, losses, and setbacks feel like we're doing something wrong. But it's possible we are wrong or just sort of right, just as often as the masters are. They may have been more right when they were right, but they could have been wrong just as often as well. And just remember, there are a hundred billion planets in our galaxy, and only one as far as we know with intelligent life. The fact that you're reading this book right now is the result of the longest you can imagine and the fact that i think you're listening to this podcast right now is also the result of the longest scale you can imagine there's something to be happy about and there's something to look forward to when you think of tail events that's it in this chapter i hope you'll join me next time if there's any way this podcast can be improved let me know i again once again apologize for any sort of noise that's coming from the background either the form of crackers or anything else uh, please do check out the Twitter, uh, Twitter in, in, in the link below, in the description below. That's it from this episode. I will see you next.